Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good Saturday morning. Can you smell it? Do you smell the playoff football in the air? I certainly can. Unfortunately, none of that playoff football involves the team here in the nation's capital, but playoff football is playoff football. I'm Denton Day. I'm with you for the next two hours here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. We are going to touch on all of the games today, which is only two, and then we got two tomorrow that we will touch on as well. And hopefully by the end of these two hours, I'm going to help you make a little bit of money. I have a... uh, a tendency to be a bit of a degenerate when it comes to playoff football. So if nothing else, I will help you make a little bit of money on this Saturday. But I want to start with what took me this morning. So I've become, at one point in my life, I was much more of a night owl. And when games, basketball games, tipped off at 10 p.m. on ESPN, I could take that all the way to 1, 1 a.m. locally and enjoy the entire game and then go and, and catch some shut-eye. I can't really do that anymore. Um, I really wanted to stay up and watch the entirety of the Lakers and the Grizzlies. But due to my responsibilities here, i become more of an early riser than a night owl. So I didn't get to watch all of the game. I watched a little bit. But I didn't get to watch all of it, and that's unfortunate because uh, I missed the best part of the game, which actually had nothing to do with basketball and everything to do with Shannon Sharp seemingly challenging like 90% of the Grizzlies and John Morant's father, T. Morant, to a fight. It is one of the weirder things that you are ever going to see. Shannon Sharp talking back and forth with Dylan Brooks, and then it becomes a huge situation in which Shannon Sharp has to get escorted briefly out of the arena. And I say briefly because for some unexplainable reason, they let him back in. I mean, I can't quite fathom if this was anybody else that was not on television. A a debate show on Fox, I don't watch. I don't like debate television. Maybe you like debate television. I think Shannon Sharp is funny. I just don't watch his television show. But if he was literally anybody else, that dude's banned for life. He nearly got in a fight with the opposing team on national television, but they for some reason let him back in. And this is a disappointment for a lot of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, LeBron James does deserve a little bit of criticism here. LeBron is the face of the NBA still. 
And until he retires, he always will be. I mean, I could play the charade that maybe Steph Curry is going to take the torch, maybe Kevin Durant or Giannis or any of these guys. But until LeBron James retires, he is the face of the NBA. He had an opportunity following the game to be very critical of Shannon Sharp for making the game about him, for trying to start a fight with the opposing team, and LeBron James did none of that. LeBron James sat at the pony up and said, Shannon Sharp is my guy. I'm riding with Shannon Sharp. And, like, I get it because Shannon Sharp is not a normal pedestrian. Dylan Brooks, after the game, called him a normal pedestrian. Shannon Sharp is not that. He is a guy that is on television. He is a public figure. He is somebody that a lot of people relate to. So maybe he's given some some extra advantages in situations like this that normal people wouldn't. But it still doesn't make it acceptable. I mean, fans should not be talking trash to players and starting fights or nearly starting fights. I've never been a fan of that in general. Like, I remember watching the Reggie Miller-Spike Lee stuff, but that, I feel like that was a little different because I never thought that Spike Lee and Reggie Miller actually were going to square up. Now, maybe it's because I wasn't, you know, 20 years old during the time where I could fully take that in. I was like four or five, six when that was happening, and I just see videos of it now. But it's never been presented to me like those two guys were actually at one point going to square up. I know they didn't like each other, and I know Spike Lee fueled Reggie Miller, and unfortunately for the Knicks, uh, that did not end well for them. But this situation feels exceptionally different because after uh, Shannon Sharp was still running his mouth. Now, I do want to just point out, Shannon Sharp is very intelligent with some of the words he said to ESPN's Dave McMenamin. Uh, he said, and I quote, because he didn't interview, like he didn't interview as if this was a post-fight interview, like he was a UFC fighter, but whatever. He told Dave McNenamin, uh, they didn't want this smoke, Dave. They do all that talking and jockeying. I ain't about the jockeying. It started with Dylan Brooks. I said he was too small to guard LeBron. He said, F me. I said, F you back. He started to come at me, and I said, you don't want these problems. And then Ja came out out of nowhere talking. He definitely didn't want these problems. Then the dad came, and he obviously didn't want no problems. But I wanted anything they had. Don't let these fools fool you, end quote. This is embarrassing for the NBA. It's embarrassing for the Lakers, and it's also not 100% true. I mean, Shannon Sharp was still hot and feeling it, and when you're hot and feeling it after something like that, you are. I mean, you're going to say something like what he said. But if you watch the video, like you can watch the video once. You don't need to watch it multiple times. Uh, John Morant was not the first person to come over to Shannon Sharp after him and Dylan Brooks got in an exchange. Uh, The first guy that came over there was Stephen Adams, and I don't see any mention of Stephen Adams, smartly, by the way, in Shannon Sharp's uh, post-altercation presser that he had with ESPN, which is a company he does not work for. There was no mention of Stephen Adams because Shannon Sharp did not want that smoke from Stephen Adams, and I can't blame him because nobody should want that smoke from Stephen Adams. Shannon Sharp started walking off of the court once it was clear that three people were not enough to hold Stephen Adams back. Like, three grown adults could not hold that dude back, and once he realized that, he took his now-famous cardigan, which is actually a pretty nice cardigan, I must admit. I think I see people clowning his cardigan. I disagree. I, I think Shannon Sharp was actually looking pretty sharp. Pun intended. But once Stephen Adams came over there, like, the ball game completely changed. You might be able to fight Dylan Brooks, Nobody is fighting Steven Adams. Steven Adams, outside of James Jones or James Johnson, excuse me, the guy that uh, is a legit MMA kickboxer, 
Outside of him, uh, the most frightening human being in the NBA is Steven Adams. So once Steven Adams came around, uh, Shannon Sharp was just about done with all of the... Uh, the, the nonsense. He then turned his focus to John Rand's father, who is significantly smaller than one Stephen Adams. That's what I woke up to this morning. Again, I wake up pretty early. It's do- like the sun isn't even out, and I'm watching videos uh, of Shannon Sharp, John back and forth, and it takes up about eight minutes of the show. I should be talking about the postseason, which we are going to get into a lot of the uh, the NFL postseason today. We will talk some Wizards. Matt Moderno is going to join us in about 20 minutes here on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Denton Day. You can hit me on Twitter at the Denton Day. Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports is going to be with us at the top of our second hour. But real quickly, I do just want to touch on the two games that we have set to kick off tonight. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs, that's the afternoon game. That's the 430 kick. But I think as far as fans in this market are concerned, if you're a fan of the Commanders, I think you're paying much more attention to the Giants and the Eagles. That's the late game. And I think as far as as far as perception goes and the unpredictability of the two games, I think Philadelphia and New York is seemingly, at least on paper, much more unpredictable because there is a lot of questions on the health of Jalen Hurts. What version of Jalen Hurts are we going to see? Is he fully healthy? Is there still issues with the shoulder? Will he be able to play to his highest potential? Because at one point he was not just a candidate for MVP. There were points early in the season where he was the front runner for MVP. So which version of Jalen Hurts are we going to get? And people still don't really know what to make of the Giants team. I still don't really know what to make of the Giants team. I think Brian Dable is an amazing head coach. I think Daniel Jones has played significantly better this season than I ever anticipated. But I don't look at the Giants and think that's a great team. I saw something that somebody had said on social media comparing this year's New York Giants team to the team from 2007. Nobody thought that team from 2007 was going to make a run. They end up doing so. They knock off the Patriots and an unbeaten season. It angered me a little bit because I wanted to see the unbeaten season. I wanted to see history, and I don't like the Giants very much. Even from a young age, I was very much against the New York Giants. I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on that, though. I'm pumping the brakes on saying that this team is similar to that of 2007. I think maybe their their energy is a little similar, maybe because they're seemingly coming out of nowhere. But, I mean, let's not forget the Vikings weren't a good team. Their record was much better than what they actually were. And a part of that, believe it or not, is because Kirk Cousins was awesome this year. Kirk Cousins was great. The defense for the Vikings was not. And the performance that the Giants gave last week, regardless of what Jalen Hurts is going to do, which I actually think Jalen Hurts is going to be fine. But regardless of what Jalen Hurts is going to do, this Philadelphia Eagles defense is not the defense that New York saw last week. The Vikings were letting everybody and their mother, except for Taylor Heineke, absolutely run a rough shot on them in the secondary. Philadelphia is not going to do that. Philadelphia has a legit defensive line that is going to get after Daniel Jones, and they have legit guys in the secondary that can cover in a way that Minnesota did not. The line for this one is 7.5. I do think that is a bit long, just not knowing the health of Jalen Hurts. But I also look at the Philadelphia injury report, and I don't see Jalen Hurts' name on there at all. There's no limitation. 
He was a full participant in practice this entire week for Philadelphia. Now, maybe that is Philadelphia trying to play mind games. Maybe they are trying to, uh, to, to brighten up the facade a little bit and say, no, he's completely healthy, completely healthy. We're going to go in with Jalen Hurts being completely healthy. But I almost feel like if you're going to play mind games, if you are going to, to play checkers while uh, – or play chess, excuse me, while somebody is trying to play checkers, I honestly feel like if you're Philadelphia, you should have put Jalen Hurts on the injury report. Give New York at least some false sliver of hope that Jalen Hurts is not 100% healthy. And then have him show up on Saturday night and have him throw the ball all over the yard. Have him look like the Jalen Hurts that in October and early November everybody was raving over saying, this guy, this guy is an MVP candidate. I think that's a wasted opportunity for Philadelphia to not play the mind games. you got to get involved in the mind games in the NFL postseason like it is very much a game of chess and with Brian Dable who I honestly think I mean if you look at the coaches that are currently left there's eight coaches left I think Brian Dable is a top three coach in the NFL postseason just based on right now I think Andy Reid is one I think Kyle Shanahan is two and I think Brian Dable is three maybe four and the only other one that I would consider above Brian Dable is Doug Peterson because I think he's done a hell of a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Brian Dable is a top three guy coaching right now. Uh, and if you, if you don't believe that, I mean, you're not paying enough attention because the Giants are not actually talented. Their defense is great, but offensively, they are not talented. And Brian Dable is just coaching circles around dudes on a weekly basis. That game's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm going to save my bet, so you're going to have to stick around for that. I have picks that I'm going to make on all four of these games. I'm going to save my bet for later on in the show, but I'm really looking forward to a NFC East divisional matchup in the divisional round. I wish it was the Commanders. Unfortunately, it was not. And by the way, if the Commanders did play the Vikings, if they beat the Giants earlier in the season when they should have, and if they played the Vikings in the NFL postseason, they would have been in the divisional round of the postseason. I firmly believe that I don't care who the quarterback was whether it be Wentz or Heineke the commanders absolutely would have beaten the Minnesota Vikings had they played them in the wild card instead their season's over and they're sitting around trying to figure out who is their next offensive coordinator we think we know who the quarterback is going to be for the commanders come week one who's the next offensive coordinator well there are a couple free agent guys uh, that are just sitting around and I think there is an obvious hire that the commanders need to ta- need to make I'll tell you who that is next you're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 the fan of the Odyssey app you're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 the fan at the Denton Day on Twitter. There's playoff football going on. Unfortunately for the Commanders, they are on the outside looking in. Their season is over. They need an offensive coordinator. That guy should be Byron Leftwich. Tampa Bay was silly enough to let Byron Leftwich go. One organization's foolish mistake should be a golden opportunity for another organization. If you're the Commanders, you have to go and get Byron Leftwich. This entire offseason is set up to be about the development of Sam Howell. Barring a move for somebody like Derek Carr or for Tom Brady, who is supposedly done in Tampa Bay, at least according to a couple of reports that have surfaced today, if you are truly going to approach this season with Sam Howell being QB1, you go and get somebody that can develop a quarterback. 
Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew sat up in front of the media once the season ended and stressed they want to continue to run the football. They want to be a run-first offense in 2023, regardless of who the quarterback is. I think you call them on that. I think that's bull, to be honest. That doesn't make sense to me. There's nothing in today's NFL that suggests being a run-first team is going to be beneficial if you actually want to win. And Ron Rivera has said that they actually want to win. They were supposed to win in year number three, but hey, whoopsies, let me get a mulligan. Let's try it again in year number four. I'm not suggesting you go away from the running game, but you need to develop a quarterback. You're going to win in the NFL with a quarterback. And Byron Leftwich can get the best out of a quarterback. I think he was the scapegoat for a lot of the, the issues that went on in Tampa Bay. But the reality is Tampa Bay did not want to be there at the end of the season. It was very clear watching the Dallas game. Tampa Bay was checked out. That team was done. They knew they couldn't run the football. Their offensive line was completely in shambles. And Tom Brady didn't want to be there anymore. But look at what's going on with the Commanders. I mean, offensive line is still a little bit in shambles, but you can fix that. There's, there's time to fix that. That's what free agency and the draft are for. Sam Howe wants to be here, and they have guys that are locked in and ready to win. Terry McLaurin is ready to win. Uh, I think guys on the defense, John Allen is ready to win. You look at, now granted, Byron Leftwich is doing nothing with John Allen, but you understand, the core of this team is ready to win. And believe it or not, I know this sounds silly, but the Commanders right now are in the midst of what you would consider to be their championship window. They have their best players of the future locked up on long-term deals, and you have a quarterback that's not on a long-term deal. This is when teams take advantage and win championships so long as you develop the quarterback. Well, who did Byron Leftwich develop into a really good player? into a guy that, that opposing fan bases, when he hit the open market, said, we want him to lead our offense. It wasn't Tom Brady. It was Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston has developed and been living off of this weird cult following that was given to him by Byron Leftwich because Jameis was a gunslinger. Every team across the NFL, once it was obvious that Tampa was going to get Tom Brady, and Jameis was going to be gone. Teams wanted Jameis because they thought they could limit the interceptions. They saw what Byron Leftwich did with him offensively, and he threw 33 touchdowns. And teams across the NFL said, well, that's great. We will take the 33 touchdowns, and we think we are confident in slashing that interception number in half. Sam Howell's not going to be a guy that throws 30 interceptions, people. If you get Byron Leftwich in here to develop Sam Howell into being a confident thrower of the football, and I think the inklings of that are there. We saw that against Dallas. The inklings of Sam Howell being a confident thrower of the football are very much there. If you bring Byron Leftwich in to maximize that talent and take him to the next level, there's a real potential. This is not just a one-and-done kind of hire. The job for offensive coordinator in Washington is not nearly as sought after as Los Angeles understood. You got Justin Herbert over there. And Justin Herbert has been uh, praised as a guy that is the future of the NFL since really before he stepped in it. Is that true or not? That's for another time. But offensive coordinators are going to go want to want work 
with Justin Herbert. But I think if you're if you're a young guy that needs a rebound and Byron Leftwich is a young guy that needs a bit of a rebound, you can really turn this into something. Especially if a new ownership comes in. If new ownership comes in and wants to get Ron Rivera out of here, which is, I would suggest, likely at this point. No matter what happens next year, barring a Super Bowl run, I mean, we can dream, I guess, and Ron can dream. But Ron is likely done when a new ownership group comes in. But if Byron Leftwich, who was getting head coaching interviews last season and the season before that, if he comes in and turns Sam Howell into a real quality starter, not a superstar, but a quality starter, and has the offense moving in the right direction, I think an owner could absolutely say, well, we love what you're doing. Why don't we just make you the head coach? You don't need a huge name for your next head coach post-Ron Rivera. In fact, I would honestly say maybe a huge name is the opposite of what you want to do. Just get somebody that's good at their job. That's priority one. Just get somebody that's good at their job. I think Byron Leftwich right now for this team is the best guy that can come in and get the most out of Sam Howell if he is actually going to be QB1. Does he want the job? I have no idea. But if he does, that should be at the top of your list. Not the enemy, not, not Greg Roman, not even Frank Reich. I do love me some Frank Reich. Leftwich should be at the top of the list if he actually wants to come and coach here in D.C., We'll take a pivot from football, talk a little NBA. Matt Moderno, the Believe in Wizards podcast, going to join us next. Trade deadline coming up. Are the Wizards buyers? Are they sellers? We'll get the latest from Matt. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. One zero six seven The Fan. I'm Denton Day at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. The NBA trade deadline is vastly approaching. The Wizards are in a position where they have to decide, are they buyers? Are they sellers? To help us make that decision, we'll go to our BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place the first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Let's hit up our phones. Matt Moderno, the Believe in Wizards podcast, is with us at Matt Moderno on Twitter, where you can find him. Uh, Matt, what's going on, man? Appreciate you joining. Uh, I'll ask you the simple question. Are you anticipating the Wizards to be buyers or sellers come NBA trade deadline? I think a bit of both seems like probably the right answer, to be honest with you. I think they're willing to do whatever they can do if if they get offered the right move. I, I don't think anybody probably other than Bradley Beal is untouchable to them on, on this roster. I don't think Beal goes anywhere until, you know, that day comes where he asks out. But uh, Porzingis, if they group the right offer, he could get, you know, he could get moved. Uh, Kuzma, if, if they get the right offer, he's probably done. From what we talked about on our show this week, uh, it sounds like Kyle Kuzma uh, is the guy they'd prefer to keep, but he also seems to have more value than Porzingis on the open market. So um, if if one of the two of them has to move, it's probably Kuzma is more likely. And it seems like Rui Hachimura is pretty much gone at this point. What are they asking for with Rui? Because I saw the rumors that, that they've been shopping him a little bit. I know they, the, the deal with Phoenix fell through with <laughs> Jay Crowder. But outside of Jay Crowder, what, what are they asking for for Rui? It's a great question. So uh, we, we talked again a little bit about this on our latest episode. I had Troy Halliburton on, formerly formerly Washington City Paper and, and things like that. And 
where he said he had heard that what the Wizards actually wanted for Phoenix was Cam Johnson, which makes a little more sense for them. It was a player from one of those drafts where Tommy Shepard was actually actively, you know, scouting for players at that point. And uh, he just kind of made more sense for them. A little younger. He has a deal coming up that maybe Phoenix doesn't want to make. You could always uh, see them revisiting these calls. I know I asked Tommy Shepard about this once last trade deadline, and he said, you know, a lot of deals we don't make at the deadline, we revisit again in the summer. So mm-hmm. that happens even weeks later sometimes. That Houston-John Wall deal with Westbrook that's been talked about lately because of the John Wall interview, that was something they revisited again a few weeks later. So realistically, I think, you know, maybe Phoenix is a team that comes back around again. And we also talked a little bit about going to Indy, I guess, Indianapolis, or, or sorry, Indiana needs uh, another power forward. So maybe they could offer up a second round pick or a distressed asset of their own, like a Chris Duarte who hasn't played very well in his second year. So something in that kind of realm, I'd say. Matt Moderno with me here on 106.7, the fan at Matt Moderno on Twitter, talking a little Wizards. You mentioned the John Wall interview. I was captivated by that. I found it really entertaining. What was your biggest standout from uh, from Wall's interview? I think there are a lot of good takeaways there. Honestly, it was uh, kind of a bombshell one because I don't think any of us were expecting that to suddenly come out in sort of a slow news week before the deadline. But I think the biggest one just that Wall didn't know he was even – potentially going to be traded until Westbrook reached out to him. I think (laughs) usually these guys, especially when they have, you know, uh, clutch sports as their agency and things like that, they're pretty in the loop when their name's being thrown about on the open market. So uh, that his agent, Rich Paul, you know, didn't know that the Wizards were talking to teams about him seems seems strange to me. So the fact that uh, he said he hadn't heard anything is probably the biggest one. And the thing that should be least surprising to people, I think, is, when when uh, Wall said that he talked to Bradley Beal about running it back one more year and Beal said he'd have to think about it. A lot of people seem surprised by that, but uh, just given this, you know, the status they've given Bradley Beal with this team and, and the importance they place on him, nobody was getting traded off that roster without, you know, at least his knowledge of it in advance. So I think anybody who thought Beal was surprised and blindsided by the trade was being a little naive there. Were you stunned at everybody else's surprise when John Wall said that the 16-7 team would have uh, had uh, some fun with Cleveland in the uh, uh, championship, Eastern Conference championship? I mean, he's not like way off base there, in my opinion, right? They they obviously played those teams tough, and right. I think they match up pretty well with them on paper. But uh, if I were a betting man, it's uh, you know hard to go against LeBron in, in an Eastern Conference race at any point during that you know that's run of his career. So I, I don't personally think that they would have gotten over the hump there but but they've made it a really competitive six seven game series i, I don't think that's crazy to think talking with matt moderno here on 1067 the fan i'm denton day now matt we've we've seen uh beal and coos and porzingis back on the floor together recently it feels like we haven't seen a ton of that trio playing together do you think if all of those guys are healthy this team has the potential to reach up and steal maybe a 10th 9th or even an 8th seed in the postseason which is really wild that we have to frame questions that way even, right? Like when Tommy <laughs> Shepard took over as GM, he said, like, we're we're done just, like, striving for the eight seed. And that was before the play-in existed. And now it's like, well, okay, he was right. We're not striving for the eight seed. We're striving for the ten seed. Uh, so this team that they've gone all in on, that even with injuries, which every team has and you have to be able to account for and survive, like, the fact that we're wondering if they can even make the play in when they are in fact trying to win 
is just kind of sad. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's not what I would want if I were a, a multi billionaire owner, you know, that um, that was investing. Uh, in a team that to try to win, like I, I would feel like my front office was letting me down if that were the case. I, I do think they're better than their record at this point. If they probably go somewhere like 500 the rest of the way, and that gets them to you know like the 37 win ballpark or something like that, I, I think that keeps them you know firmly in playoff contention. These other teams that are are smarter than the Wizards about team building might say, well, does the 10 seed really do us anything? Do they have some injuries? Do they have tougher schedules? The Wizards have an easy remaining schedule. So I could see them making maybe not the same kind of late season surge they did during the Westbrook year, but enough of one to get them, you know, closer to 500. And uh, that, that probably puts you in the ballpark. I think the most Wizards outcome for this season really is if they sneak their way into the 10 seed and then win a couple games and actually find themselves in the playoffs because if they make the playoffs, they owe their pick to the New York Knicks. So in a year where there's going to be a very good NBA draft, it seems like the most Wizards move to give up a draft pick to get swept in the first round in, in exchange. So that's, that's kind of what I'm predicting, at least. Yeah, that would certainly certainly be a painful uh, experience for fans. Uh, I think Kristaps Porzingis has been really, really good this year. Do you think, at least at this point in the season, that he's been their best player? I think he's – I mean, even though he's had a couple stinkers here and there, he's probably been their most consistent player at the very least or or best player most consistently, I would put it that way. I think Beal's been really good, but can you be somebody's best player when you only play half the games? I think Kuzma's been really good for the most part. It's just when he's bad, he's really bad, and uh, he's, he's kind of got more variance, I think, than Porzingis does. So even in that stretch in, in December where Porzingis seemingly couldn't hit – played a jump shot anywhere he was still you know affecting the game a lot and a presence under the basket and trying to get rebounds and trying to block shots so I think he's kind of their their floor raiser and so I, I think that's probably the guy I would say has been their best overall guy too you know something you've been a proponent on on social media why won't Ted Leonsis tank what what is stopping him what is he so afraid of when it comes to tanking and resetting this whole thing you know, I think they're scared that like attendance and stuff will bottom out, and it's it's wild to think that because they're already bottom five in attendance. So, <laughs> how much worse does it really get at this point? And be honest with you, I think it's probably like an ego thing or a pride thing to just say, now that I've said that publicly, it would look bad if we all of a sudden started to tank because then we'd all be able to make jokes about it and stuff, which I think is a wild way to run a team if you let things like that kind of dictate your decision making, but. You know, from everything you hear about Ted anecdotally, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's at least um, some component of this. And realistically for him, NBA teams just keep going up in value. Like, all he has to do is not totally screw this thing up, and 10 years from now it'll be worth way more than it's worth today. So if you're him, if you can do just enough to get into the first round of the playoffs, get some home playoff revenue, and, you know, maybe not have to go into the luxury tax and spend deeper into your own money or your own pockets to do that. Like, that's a win for him. It'll keep being an appreciating asset just by by having it in his portfolio. So, so why go all in? I think a lot of owners, the Mark Cubans of the world and stuff, treat their team like this is a thing they're so heavily invested in. And then, uh, you know, you've got Ted. It's, it's another asset in the portfolio of assets. So I think it's just sort of how they how they treat those things. 
Matt, I'll get you out of here on this. February 9th is the trade deadline. Come February 10th, Beal, Kuz, and Porzingis, are all three of them still on the Wizards roster? I don't think all three of them are. I think if I were a betting man, I think Kuzma's the most likely one to go, just given the you know, fact that he's due for a big money extension and teams actually seem to want him. So if you're the Wizards, you need some things back, and you really can't afford to keep Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma next offseason and build a competent team around them. So I, I think Kuzma's probably the one that goes if I had the best, even though personally I kind of would like to keep him. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy catching up. Be good. We'll do this again soon, all right? Sounds good. Take care. That is Matt Moderno, the Believe in Wizards podcast, at Matt Moderno. He joined us via the BetQL guest hotline. What he said at the very end there when it came to Ted Leonsis and tanking, um, I I don't love the idea of tanking, but I do understand that every every once in a couple of years, teams do have to blow it up. But he said something at the tail end there that I found hilarious. Uh, as long as Ted Leonsis doesn't screw it up, the team is still going to go up in value. Uh, Dan Snyder has proved that, that even you you can screw an, uh, a franchise up and the team will still go up in value. So I wish Ted Leonsis would, would take at least that one singular page or paragraph out of the book of Dan Snyder. If you own a professional sports team in this country, you can screw it up and the value is still going to go up and up and up based on the league that you're in because the television money and really the strength of the league. I don't know. I just found that I'd found that funny. And it's also painful because Dan Snyder always screws things up. I'm Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan at The Denton Day. Everybody has been fascinated by this slap league that's taken over social media. I'll tell you what I'm furious about with it next. It's 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. I'm Denton Day. 1067 The Fan. I'm Denton Day at The Denton Day on Twitter. We'll talk NFL postseason with Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports in about 10 minutes. The slap fighting championships have really taken over social media. It's the dumbest thing in the world, just point blank. The idea of watching people evaporate each other's brain cells for social media enjoyment is silly to me. But I have a much bigger at-large problem with these slap league championships. And really, it, it has nothing to do with the actual actions of slapping and the people that are running the operation. It speaks majorly of hypocrisy that we see when it comes to television companies making money. This airs on TBS, which is owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. And they're the ones that are really in my sights right now for being hypocrites. They have no issue profiting off of people absolutely eradicating their minds. I mean, you are literally just destroying brain cells and forcing yourself into life's worth of major brain issues and CTE in the future, all for some paycheck, which, by the way, this is also run by Dana White, who is notorious for not paying his fighters exceptionally well. So if you think, well, you know, the people that are playing these games, Den, are actually getting paid well, they're not. That's not how Dana White operates. It's kind of how he's a billionaire. He makes a lot of money. He doesn't give people a lot of money. But the hypocrisy is this. The same people that are running this event and these games on television were the same people that blocked All Elite Wrestling from honoring a fallen wrestler who died earlier this week. According to several reports inside of the wrestling community, Warner Brothers did not want AEW to run a Jay Briscoe tribute, similar to what they did when a fellow wrestler, Brody Lee, passed away 
a bit over a year ago. Even if you don't like wrestling, I would encourage you to go watch the tribute show that All Elite Wrestling did with Brody Lee. It was an absolute masterclass of television and a perfect way to honor somebody that works in your company that passed away. But it was blocked by Warner Brothers for Jay Briscoe because Jay Briscoe sent a tweet out 10 years ago that was dumb. And I'm not defending the tweet that Jay Briscoe sent out 10 years ago. In fact, the tweet was horrible. But it was 10 years ago. And the guy had the opportunity to learn from it, to grow from it, and to actually make amends for the dumb thing that he tweeted all the way back in 2013, 2014. Yet Warner Brothers didn't want to deal with the PR repercussions of putting him on television. So he was banned from television when that particular wrestling company acquired ROH, which is where the Briscoes wrestled. He was banned from television there. And then when he died and the wrestling world was mourning, everybody across companies, whether it be WWE All Elite Wrestling, guys in Japan, guys that wrestle over in Britain who worked with the Briscoes, it doesn't matter. Take your pick. Everybody was mourning the loss of what was universally recognized as a great person. A good dude and Warner Brothers blocked the tribute show because they didn't want to deal with it. Yet that company has no issues putting people on television to get dismembered from getting slapped. I mean, I saw some dude get slapped in these slap championships. He went into that same position that Tua Tungavailoa went into on Thursday Night Football against the Bengals. I'm not a doctor. I don't remember what the position is called, but you recognize it. Your entire body stiffs up. You, you're tight at that point. It's a major brain injury that's going on. And we ridiculed the Dolphins for it. How dare you put Tua back in? You should have seen this coming. But we watched the slap championships and say, oh, look at him. He got hit really hard. And Warner Brothers Discovery is going to sit there and they're going to take the money in. And there's no issue, but they won't honor a fallen wrestler. It's hypocrisy is what it is. Even if you don't like wrestling, which I understand a lot of people in the market maybe don't, it's hypocrisy at its absolute worst. I'm Denton Day. It's 106.7 The Fan. NFL postseason, the final second hour of the show, all NFL postseason related. We're going to kick it off. Jordan DeJani, CBS Sports. He's going to join us next, get his thoughts on the two games tonight, two games tomorrow, and maybe what's to come later in the postseason. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t